This last week, I've been dealing with some intrusive thoughts, and so I'm going to expand on what has helped me out. Do you guys ever have thoughts that just won't go away, whether it's from rejection-sensitive dysphoria or maybe you're in a depressive episode, and the negative thoughts, they just start, they play over and over and over and over and over You are listening to ADHD Big Brother, the podcast for adults struggling with their ADHD and comorbid depression symptoms. I'm your host, Russ Jones, author of Descending to the Top, believer that you can actually have a smile in your life despite this diagnosis. So let's make some sense out of this struggle. Let's learn some stuff. Let's laugh at some stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, here's some stuff. Over and over and over. Oh, hey guys, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? This week, I want to share a little bit of my process on how I get to the bottom of and around and over and through uh, intrusive thinking and some of these depressive episodes. Um, The thoughts that permeate with me mostly um, when I'm on a down tick, I would say it's it's like my worth on the planet, which is just morbid. Uh, So I'll feel like imposter syndrome about helping you guys out. I'll feel like I shouldn't be helping adults with ADHD and depression. And I'll feel like obsessed about where I'm at financially. I'll find any possible reason to beat myself up. Perfect example here right now. uh, I see a pair of pants on the floor in my bedroom. And there's a difference in thinking where, whereas in one thought it would be, hey, there's a pair of pants on the floor. I could go pick it up. In a downturn, uh, that thought would be, dude, you're in your 40s and you're a goddamn slob. Like you live in a freaking college dorm. You suck. How is you, How do you live like this? Those are two very different takes on, uh, on, on pair of pants on floor. You know, both of them require literally no action or, I mean, the possible action would be, I could just go and pick up the pants off the floor. But in a depressive episode, we run from it. Don't we? We're like, we dramatically leave the room. I just can't deal with this. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, a woman from a 1930s film, you know, the hand on the forehead. I can't bear to see it. I have to leave. You guys ever feel like that? Like it feels kind of like you're circling a drain sometimes. And it's kind of a bummer but <laughs> to put it mildly. Hey man, it's kind of a bummer. You know, I don't feel good. It's feeling kind of depressed. It's kind of a bummer, dude. And I'm, I'm at the point where I'm I'm not currently taking depression medicine because I got on the other end of it. And this is, I don't take any medicine advice from me. Just right off the bat, I'm just sharing my, my, uh, my state. So I was, I'm trying to manage my life without it. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just experimenting a little bit, you know, just seeing what works and what I can accomplish, you know. And I always know that I can take the medicine if I need to. But I'm always thinking like, well, what do we do if we don't have medicinal fixes? How are we supposed to do this if we don't have therapy? Like the best mental health solution out there, if I was going to give you, you know, the best advice ever, it would be, hey, have a doctor, go to ongoing therapy, um, a psychiatrist, uh, medicinal support, then get coaches for every aspect of your life, get an ADHD coach, get a nutrition coach, get a financial advisor, get a, a physical, a fitness trainer. I mean, that would be the, the ideal. Absolutely. But not all of us have therapy money or doctor money or pill money. So it, I mean, it really frustrates me that you have to be, you have to be financially good 
it feels like to be on top of our mental health. It kind of sucks. And then on top of that, we have ADHD. So right, navigating and figuring out how to navigate the paperwork, the the health insurance landscape, it sucks. So there, that's just some insight into me, kind of why I do this. Uh, the podcast is free. Hopefully it helps you guys out. I'll do it as long as I can. And then this past week, you know, I had these intrusive ruminating style thoughts uh, that took a while to shake. You know, where I'm just questioning my worth and playing scenarios, getting lost in scenarios where I'm literally trying to forge an outcome in my mind. That, and in reality, it doesn't exist. Like, uh, I should give you an example. An example would be like, uh, like a relationship type example. If you have a partner you're interested in and the scenarios run rampant, like, oh, if I say this, then they'll say this. Or if I do this, then they're going to do this. And then I can say this. And then that'll be this. And none of it is based in reality. It's all in the brain. Catching ourselves in that can be very depressing when you realize, like, why do I keep doing this? For me, it was a self-worth uh, challenging kind of a week. And, you know, that's going to happen from time to time. And so while I value medicine uh, personally, because in my opinion, it absolutely helps. For me right now, because I'm not taking medicine for depression, uh, I'm going to share with you what is currently working for me. Do I love that it can be a slog and it can take longer than I'd like because I don't have medicinal support? Uh, no, no, it's, uh, it's frustrating. And, you know, I'm impulsive. I want a quick fix. And so it is a slog. When it comes to ruminating thoughts, like obsessive thinking, like I can't cut the cord on someone, I can't let a person go, or I can't seem to stop creating scenarios, or there's a negative thought that keeps hitting me in the brain. When that happens, uh, this is what works for me. It's like a multi-tiered approach. My first attempt is uh, like a meditation. I just recognize that I'm not thinking about what I want to be thinking about. And I acknowledge that my mind has gone off the rails. And then I'll non-judgmentally bring my attention back to the thing I want to be focused on. And this requires that ADHD hack, which, you know, if you go to ADHDbigbrother.com, that's the course, and it'll help you and figure out then how to do ADHD. Go check it out. Um, this is the hack where you have to be very specific about what you're working on. If you're not specific, you're, you're basically telling your brain, please, brain, go somewhere bad and dark and dwell. Go into the dwell hell. We have to be specific. Like, work on my finances, that's vague. That's You're going to dwell hell for that. Track my uh, expenses from the previous month. Print out my bank statements. That's a very specific. Those are tasks that are very specific, and they can engage the brain immediately. So that's my first go-to. See if I can redirect my attention. If that's not enough for me, if the thoughts just keep yanking at me, as it that's what was happening this week, at some point it becomes frustrating. And that frustration, if it goes on too long, if for me, it starts to feel like like I'm in a mental prison. You know, like, what the hell's going on? I have no command over my brain. And so it feels like this is the rest of my life. Now I'm depressed. So there's a, a visualization that works for me. Um, uh, let's say it's a person I want to stop ruminating on, or let's say it's a negative thought that I can't uh, get past. What I do is I imagine that my self-image, all the thoughts and feelings and people and ideas, everything that makes up me is all in balloons that are attached to me with by strings. And it's just a visual, just so just go with me here. And then what I'll do is I'll visually fill that person's image or that negative thought into the balloon. I'll just like, and I'll tie it off, attach it, and, and I'll just let it go. 
and let the wind carry it off into the sky. There's something about watching an image of a person uh, in a balloon or a thought in a balloon that it represents like the letting go of that thought or that, or cutting the cord on that person. It's just what, and there's visually as they get farther and farther away, the, the hold on me is weaker and weaker. There's just something about that that's very freeing and releasing to me. For me, I'm so much more of a visual person. So I survive on metaphors. Visualizations, that's what resonates with me. That's my whole ebook, the uh, descending to the top. The, uh, you know, the visualization that our goals are at the bottom of the mountain, not at the top. That, all that stuff, it really resonates with me. This is a kind of a fix in the moment. It's kind of a declaration to myself that I'm letting go of that thought. And it's an acknowledgement that it's, it's a thought. It was a part of me. I allowed it to be attached to me. And now I'm letting it go. I'm not yelling at it. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, you fucking balloon. Get it. It's not aggressive at all. It's just, a peaceful letting go of a thought. This doesn't mean that the thought doesn't come back. It's not like some permanent change where I never have to deal with that thought ever again or that person or whatever. I mean, how amazing would that be? Like, hey, I did a balloon exercise and I've, I never had a shitty thought for the rest of my life. That would be amazing. It's a way of dealing with a moment so that the moment doesn't corrupt the rest of the day and it take over in a negative way. And that's tier two. But what if that doesn't work? I can hear you saying that. Russ, what if your balloon magic doesn't work? It's a great question. Sometimes the balloon flies back in our face, and just stays there. So we can't even move forward. It's like, what the hell? What happened? Where is, is there something in the wind? This balloon won't get out my freaking way. When this happens, I then resort to my personal cognitive behavioral therapy do-it-yourself-at-home kit. Would it be great to talk to a therapist and have them give me some perspective? Sure, absolutely love that. But what if I can't? What if I don't have therapy time? What if I don't have therapy money? Well, then I guess we're screwed. No, no, we're not screwed. We got to DIY it. It's do-it-yourself time. Most of us are always trying to DIY our skull spaghetti. Nothing beats some good old-fashioned CBT. Google it. Googling is free. Uh, Cognitive behavioral therapy and Google thought records. That's the big deal right there. Sometimes we just got to pop the hood, you know, and look at what's making the old brain engine chug along and do some routine maintenance. You know, like change the oil, rotate the tires or whatever. I don't know anything about cars, so this metaphor could go sideways. I don't know. So it goes a little something like this. And by the way, I have not been trained professionally in the art of CBT. I should let you know that. I don't want to brag, but I'm self-taught. It's kind of a big deal. I did it Goodwill hunting style, been studying for years. I also haven't taken any guitar lessons, but check this out. Barbara, hey, can you hand me my guitar? Thank you. Not a single lesson. Can I go on tour with a rock band? No, no, I can't. But if you've never played guitar before, I can absolutely teach you the D chord, the G chord, and the A chord. And now, guess what, guys? You know 50% of the songs in the known universe. I can absolutely take you from zero to, holy shit, is he, is that guy playing Free Fallen? Yeah, I think he is. Here you go, Barbara. Uh, thanks, baby.
So let me ask you guys this. Did you actually think uh, there was a Barbara in the, in the room? Were you thinking uh, his girlfriend's in the room and he's treating her like a roadie, asking her to give him his guitar? Or did you think uh, that guy just sexually harassed his assistant? He said baby to her. Neither of those things is true. I utilized the uh, craft of acting, picked up and learned from the Sanford Meisner Center in my younger days. Things happen, right? And we have automatic thoughts. And the same situation can supply different automatic thoughts for different people. In this case, both are wrong. I don't have a girlfriend or an assistant. Oh, God. That hurts to say out loud. Why did I just Barbara bamboozle you? It's to show you guys that situations will drum up automatic thoughts in us. And oftentimes, they're cognitive distortions. To define that really quick for you, a cognitive distortion is a habitual way of thinking uh, that's negative and it's often inaccurate. Now, when I'm doing this work looking under my hood, this is how I tinker with my brain. I think it's important to do it from a non-judgmental place. It's almost like looking under somebody else's hood. We'd never go, wow, you suck. I can't believe your brain engine works like that. (laughs) How old are you? Oh my God, you're hopeless. Wow, you suck. We would never do that. So in this case, we're looking at things uh, from a standpoint, it's a very math, like A plus B equals C. We're just objectively looking at the facts of our thinking. Thought records are what I use when I can't seem to crack the nut in my brain. It's like a guided journaling that directs our brain to objectively assess the truth in the matter and then adopt alternative, more healthy thinking. Keep in mind, this is a lot of homework for what seems like something that we should just be able to quote unquote get over, you know? And so I've gone through those feelings and I'll just say thought records are that guided journaling stuff. It's monumentally beneficial. The quick summary of how thought records work. This is an overview. This is a short podcast. You can buy books on this thing and expand on it all you want. I highly recommend it. Uh, but this will be the, the, the quick and short version. So in this guided journaling, you start with uh, the situation. What happened? Something happened to get us here. So I'll journal what I was doing, how I was feeling, and then something happened and I had thought and I reacted to something in some way and now I'm here. Oh shit, I'm journaling about it. What was it? So for instance, in this case, we're going to use this example that I'm writing an email and then I received a text that said, sounds good, all lowercase, no punctuation, in response to a very long text that I had sent out about a plan that I was making with a friend. The text had no enthusiasm in it, and I took it to mean that the person doesn't like me, they think I talk too much, and just wishes I would go away. That's the situation. Then we identify the automatic thoughts, the thoughts that the brain just supplies without us even asking. It would be like, I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. I'm so stupid. I'll never succeed. And in this case, it was, this person hates me. So now that I've got this situation and the auto thoughts, It's like a a diary entry. You know, this is what happened today and it made me feel like this. I can now look at which cognitive distortion this thought or thoughts falls into. And it could be multiple. Um, And I'll reiterate that a cognitive distortion, it's a habitual thought, it's negative, and it's often inaccurate. And you can Google a list of them. There are all kinds of names. Like all or nothing thinking would be when you're either the best or the worst. They either love you or they hate you. It's uh, There's no nuance 
And then there's disqualifying the positives. That one would be where someone pays you a compliment, but you completely uh, abandon the the gratitude of the compliment to point out all the negatives about you that make you actually, in truth, a shitty person. So they're wrong about you. <laughs> Discovering the cognitive distortion can be very helpful. Now what we can do is break things down further once we've labeled the thinking. And we can list what evidence that do we have that this thought is true? What evidence do we have that the thought is not true? Like, well, let's take this fucking thought to court. So the person texts, sounds good, but they, there's no punctuation. Now I'm sitting here thinking the person hates me. Well, what evidence do I have that this is not true? Well, the words that they chose were sounds good, which means if I take it literally, the idea sounded good to them. That's what they chose to communicate to me. And then what about the fact that I had a really good time with that person a week ago and there was no indication of hatred uh, in that in that, <laughs> in that moment. Okay, so now I go, well, what evidence do I have that this is true, that they hate me? Well, I have no concrete factual evidence. Oh my God. Oh, except for the time that they put the knife in my throat and said, I fucking hate you. That's the one. <laughs> There's no evidence. There was nothing. So th that process now can be very eye-opening as well. And that usually is for me. And this is a big deal uh, for me, so I'm going to share it. At this point, rather than beat myself up for having a false thought and asking myself, why am I such an insane loser that I can't just stop having these thoughts? Instead, I go to my favorite part of the exercise, and this is where the peace comes. After all the work is done, I ask myself, well, what are some alternative healthy thoughts that I could adopt for this situation? This is where I get to envision my ideal self, how my ideal self responds to situations like this. Maybe they have an Apple Watch and they were just like clicking on the button that said, sounds good. There's no punctuation in that. There's no nothing. Maybe the person was just in a hurry and they're just getting back to things. If someone texts me, sounds good. I would like to just smile and acknowledge that they are in agreement with me about this thing. And then I'd like to get back to whatever the fuck it was that I was working on. I mean, how cool would that be? I mean, can you believe that people can do that? They look at a text, they read it, they acknowledge it, and then they literally go right back into their day. Not a single moment of, well, <laughs> well, what the hell is that supposed to mean? So then we take this new thought or these new thoughts, these more positive, uh, healthier thoughts, and we try them on like a new pair of shoes. You know, maybe they're a little stiff at first. They don't feel as comfortable because, you know, it's different than what we're used to. Maybe comes with a little pushback. But if we walk in the shoes enough, you know, if we keep putting them on, eventually we'll wear them in and we'll get comfy in them. And then tier four, if nothing else is working, I'm going to call up a friend and go out for food. And I'm just going to distract myself and wait for the spiritual reset so that I can re-go after this again at a later time. I think what a part of it is, if you guys are like me, then... You wish, God, I wish my instincts or my automatic thoughts were as pure as my intentions. Like, why does it take so much work to be the person that we just want to be? Why can't I just turn off the negativity? Why can't I just turn off the self-loathing? Because I don't want them anymore. Why are they still there? So I empathize with that. I really do. And the best I have right now is that life is this ongoing journey. And I really feel like this type of work while it can make us feel like children, like it's so remedial, it's exhaustive, breaking down a dumbass thought, 
if we do this work, we play under the hood, we tinker with our brain, there's a lot of peace and motivation and fresh perspectives that actually stick over time. Um, at least that's been my experience. And that's beautiful. Uh, that's the stuff I love. So I hope that helps you guys. As always, if you guys have any questions about any of this stuff, feel free. Go to the ADHDbigbrother.com, click on contact, shoot me an email. I'm open for biz. I love hearing from you guys. And with that, I hope you guys have a great week and I will talk to you later. Later.